Hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again. Another week uh, coming to you uh, via podcast only, and uh, it looks like that will be coming to a close at some point soon. But it's good to be with you again. I just pray that you have been um, trusting God more and more with your life. I pray that you have been using this time wisely to give God your heart and to get into His Word and to spend some more time with Him. And I pray for this nation. I pray for the believers across this nation who have been um, uh, trying to be patient and just trying to trust God. I just pray that we continue to see this thing all the way through to the very end. And I also pray that that is soon. Thank you, Lord God. And I just want to pray right now, Lord God, for your word. I pray that your word would come out, Lord, in a way that touches our hearts, that only you can do, Lord. I pray that you would dig down deep inside of us and bring that word, Lord, into the deepest parts of us, Lord. Get into the cells inside of us, Lord, that are closed off. We don't even realize that we have closed areas off to you, Lord, or our stubbornness and our pride and things, Lord, block you out. We don't even realize. I pray that your word today, that is a hammer and is a sword, would break us down, would cut us open, Lord, and would change us from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord God. Well, again, it's good to be with you, and I just want to get right into his word, and I want to encourage you today, encourage you to trust in God and trust in his word. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to chapter 1, verse 1. And if you are a mature believer out there, then you may know these verses very well. If you're just joining us, I just want to welcome you and um, just stick with it. Just stick with this podcast today. I believe that God's got some uh, truth here for you and some life here for you within his word. So just stay with me to the end. And, uh, and hopefully you can do that today. But in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they, verse 2, delight in the law of the Lord. So they don't stand around with the sinners and with the mockers and with the wicked, the advice of the wicked. There's a mentality. There's a thought process. There is a an idea that is actually always just circling around you. You may not even realize it, but your culture and uh, the media and your, even your friends and your family, um, even um, as you've gone to school and your workplace, um, they're all influencing you all the time. You may not think that you are influenced. You may think that you are an influencer, but things are influencing you. And I like to think often about, um, I don't know about thinking often, but I like to think about how uh, things change in, um, in style and in colors and in clothing and um, one day you look and you say, I don't like that color. 
or you look at a particular style of clothing and you say, ew, I don't like that. Who would wear that? And what's so funny is if you just give it enough time uh, and you look back, suddenly that color is cool and it's hip and it's in and it's the right color for you and that's the right style for you and, uh, and you're wearing it and you love it and you couldn't see it another way until the next thing comes along. And that's because you have seen it, you've been around it, you've been exposed to it, and then you get used to it, and then it becomes your reality. And that's actually happening around us all the time. The world around us is influencing us. And that's not evil in, it, in just in, in that simplicity of just colors and, and, uh, and style, and, and those things aren't evil in themselves. But there is also um, a mentality in this world, a mentality that is uh, thinking a certain way. And sadly, the thinking of this world is completely opposite of God's word. And uh, even in this nation, we have a really special nation here. And I don't know where you are. You're coming to us from around the world, possibly. Um, But we... Um, in the United States, have been given a great gift. It's a very special nation, and we have immense freedoms that we don't even understand. We definitely take them for granted from time to time, and some people all the time. But we have this very special gift that God has given us here. And um, even in this nation that has been so blessed and we have so much freedom, there is evil lurking behind the scenes. And that doesn't mean that we're going to focus on the evil, and I'm not going to focus on that today. Uh, Certainly not going to focus on that as a believer. We're going to focus on God's Word and on Jesus Christ, and that's much of what today is about. But I just want you to be aware that behind the scenes, there are evil things, there are evil entities, uh, the devil is working, and Uh, trying to bring about his culture, trying to bring about his plan. And he has been doing that, though, since the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had perfection with God. They were made in perfection. God even breathed his own spirit into them and gave them a garden and gave them dominion and gave them life. And, And the lion and the lamb, they lay down together. They were not enemies as they are in the realm that we understand today of predator and prey. And uh, things uh, got messed up because the enemy brought his plan in and influenced. He influenced Eve. That's what the Bible really is uh, saying there in those first chapters in Genesis, that uh, he convinced her that what God said was not true or it was only partially true and she looked and perceived with her eyes and the fruit it says that she thought it looked good it was pleasing to her and so she eats of it partakes of it uh, Adam eats of it then as well and they lose this place that God had given them of dominion and peace and protection and uh, and and uh, just this immense, uh, incredible, um, really uh, what we look forward to in eternity, at this eternal heavenly-like place, which we will have again. 
uh, in Christ. Um, thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, but so that has been, that agenda has been um, working behind the scenes since the beginning of time. So I don't want you to focus on that. And again, and that is exactly what I'm going to actually preach against today, that we don't focus on those things, we focus on Christ. But I want you to understand, I just want it to be an understanding for those that don't think about it at all. While we're not focusing on it, I want you to think about it. Just understand that if you don't, and this is what we're going to get into, and we're going to get into it right here in verse 2, where it says, They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. If you don't make the conscious decision to meditate on God's word, to delight in God, to focus on him, to focus on his plan, to focus on his kingdom, if you do not do that, your world around you will influence you without you even knowing it. If you are not proactively Reading into his word, not just reading the word, but reading into it. Why do I say that? Because you could just read the scripture on the surface and then use it in, in, in a myriad of ways to justify uh, things. You could look at a verse one way and say, this is what the word says without the whole context of who God is, of what Genesis to Revelation of God is. And we could look at certain points and places where God says to do or don't do certain things, and we could look at it as legalistic and regulation and God boxing us in. But if we look at the whole picture of God's word and the picture of who God is from Genesis to Revelation, what we actually see is a God of love who's protecting us and who actually gives us boundaries to keep us safe, like a stop sign keeps us from running into an intersection or a stoplight keeps us from running into somebody going the other direction and killing them, right? So it's not a wall, but it is a protection. And so we can look at the word, uh, just read the word on its surface and, and actually get a, a skewed view of God. But we must look into it and really understand what the word is saying and who this God that we serve is. And by doing that, it will safeguard us. And that's what these next verses say in Psalm 1, why I love this chunk of scripture so much. It will safeguard us. If we are not consciously, proactively looking into God's word and spending that time with him and also um, spending time with other believers. Now, you haven't been able to do that physically, but even just getting on the phone with them, sending some texts back and forth. Um, bouncing scriptures off of each other. If we're not proactively really just dissecting God's word and really understanding, meditating, the word says here, it says to meditate on it. And I'm going to get into hopefully in a few minutes of what that is. And, uh, uh, but if we are not doing that, then the influence of this world that I don't want us to focus on, I just, I preached a little bit about that last week. You can go listen to that. Um, but we're not going to focus on it, but it will influence you. You will start to think. And, and as a mature Christian out there, I'm sure each of you know Christians in your life, and we're not judging them, we're praying for them, and we're loving them, and we have compassion for them, and we ask the Lord for grace and mercy for them. But there are Christians that you know of, that you know they don't really spend the time in the Word. They don't really... 
um, look to God as their source of life and hope every single day. He's more of a casual thing to them. It's just something that they do religiously or they go through the motions. And when you talk to those particular Christians, you'll hear a lot of worldliness. You'll hear a lot of ideas that are mixed with God, but also mixed with the ideas of this world. And they might even sound smart. And a lot of times those ideas that are floating around today's world, um, they don't sound evil on the surface and they sound logical, but in its intent, in down, down deep within those ideas and those um, influences within our culture and our time today, there is evil in there because really it's so simple. Anything that is not birthed from God, anything that is not of God, uh, any um, even good idea that God has not inspired or God has not told us uh, is evil. It may not seem like it, but it is because it's just a stepping stone. It's a pulling. It's a slow pulling away uh, from uh, God's ways, really, into the devil's plan, into the devil's ways. And it might seem harsh, but when the Israelites uh, left Egypt, and God took them through the wilderness, and he dealt with them there. And that's a myriad of sermons there. But he deals with them and teaches them. And finally, he's got this people that are supposedly going to trust him and lean upon him. And, uh, and we know just because of human nature that that doesn't work. That's not God's fault. That's our fault. And God loves us through it, keeps giving us more grace through it. Ultimately, Jesus' blood was shed just for that reason. But uh, even though uh, they are fault-filled, uh, God gave them this promised land. And they, if the, only they trust him, everything's going to be okay. And they're going to have this land flowing with milk and honey, the Bible says. But as they come into the land, God warns them uh, not to intermingle with uh, with the people. Now, we're New Testament Christians. We are Jesus-believing, Jesus-focused, Jesus-centered Christians. So we are told to be in this world, which means you're going to be among people. You have to be around people to be able to preach to people, to be able to love people. You have to be around them. So we are in it, Jesus, and the Word of God is instructing us, but not of it. And, and so in the Old Testament, he didn't even want them around them. And the idea is that their uh, culture, that their practices, their ways of worship would slowly, if you opened the door to let them around you and in, in the intermarrying really specifically was one of the big things that God told them not to do by marrying with the world, by mixing you with the world, okay, some of you and and some of her or some of him, you know, marrying each other, um, you're bringing their thoughts and their culture and their ideas and their worship together with yours, and then you produce, right? The real issue was that you would produce a child that was mixed, that was that this is not a cultural thing, this is not a racial thing I'm talking about, so please do not misunderstand me here. But you brought this child into the world that had a mixed idea 
of who God was, of what holiness was, of what walking with God is, and, and they wouldn't know fully um, who God was that delivered them from Egypt, brought them through the wilderness, and gave them this promised land that he had been promising now for for these hundreds and hundreds of years and to see his faithfulness and so on. There's going to be a mixture of all these other gods, the idols that the surrounding nations worshipped, and... Um, and that's exactly, unfortunately, what happens in the story. And we know that. As Christians, we know that story. And ultimately, thank you, Jesus, again, that he came and he broke the power of sin once and for all and gave us life in him through repentance of our sins. But what God was really warning us of there, he's still warning us of today. And it's that there is... Um, mentalities, there are ideas, there is a culture that is circling around you all the time. And and it is absolutely true. I am not unaware, I just don't focus on the evil, but it is absolutely true that there are evil players at work to try to bring down not just this nation and not just our our government and not you know not just here, but the whole world. All right. There is a demonic plan to try to crush this entire world, to bring the whole world in submission to the devil's plan. We know that as Christians. Why are we surprised? Don't be surprised at that. And don't focus on that. We focus on the task at hand, which is that there is a world that is dark and they need the light. We are the light. Jesus said he is the light. And then he gave us a commission when he left the earth in the flesh but, and he came inside of us through the Holy Spirit and said, now you are the light. You and I, Christian out there, are the light to this world. That is our focus, to shine. We're aware. We are fully aware of the darkness, but we don't focus on that. We focus on those that need to be rescued out of that darkness. And so I don't want to get into that today. That's not today's sermon. What I want you to get today is this. It says in verse 2, that we must delight and meditate on the Lord, on the law of the Lord. When it says in Psalm 1, verse 2, the law of the Lord, as New Testament, Christ believing in the blood of Jesus, Christians, when we read the Psalms, we can actually leave it, or we can read it with a whole another level of revelation and of power, because for us, we are not just bound by a law, but we have a law that was written on our hearts. The law of love, the Bible tells us. We have this law that God has given us supernaturally, where the Holy Spirit is actually changing us from the inside out. In fact, um, let me just read this scripture here. And it says in um, the book of Philippians chapter 2, Verse 12, it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, when some people just hear those things, they think, okay, I need to obey God. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible. Check, 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 check. But he says, this, for God is working in you. 
Okay, so as a New Testament Christian, when we when we read Psalms chapter one verse two, where it says the law of the Lord and the meditate on it, there's actually a whole other level. We're not just reading through a book of rules and regulations of don't do this and do that, but we are actually spending time with God, which was not allowed in the Old Testament. Only the priest could go into the presence of God, but Jesus tore the veil into the most holy of holies, into the secret place of the temple, and tore it and broke it down, and this temple became supernatural and not a building. It became a union between us and God, and inside of that place where God meets with man, God met with Moses. He was the first, and then he gave Aaron this job of being the priest, and uh, and they would bring the sacrifices of the people and commune with God in this place, and God would meet with man, but through all these layers of priests and buildings and rules and regulations, and now through simply through the blood of Jesus and through your repentance of sin, You came into the temple of the Lord, came into the Holy of Holies, the place where the presence of God dwells, and he does something supernatural now inside of us, not just you trying to do it, but it says that God is working in you, giving you. It says that God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you, giving you the desire. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 16 I'm reading here. This is these four scriptures, 12 through 16, five scriptures. It says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. He says to do, but he says first, God is doing something inside of you. So he says to live holy uh, in the word over and over and over again to us. And then here in Philippians 2, he's telling us to work hard and show it and do everything without complaining and arguing. But crammed right in between there is saying that God is actually doing something inside of us supernaturally to change us. He's changing us because this is what it says. So that uh, it says live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright uh, lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So that's what needs to happen. We need to be light. But what needs to be, how do we be light? means we're not like the world, even though we're in it. But how can we not be like the world, even though we're in it, unless We are different. And how can we be different? We can't make ourselves different. God needs to do it supernaturally. But it's because we have this union with him. So it says, hold firmly to the word of life. So the key for us, and this is all that we need to focus on, and this is what I want you to focus on today. This is what I want you to get today if you're listening to this podcast. I want you to get this, that we must hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. He was just encouraging them. He was trying to instruct them uh, to, li- to listen to God, to trust God, to believe in God, to keep walking with God, to stay steady, 
uh, and and it would influence the world around them, but that God really ultimately had to do something inside of them. So let's go back to Psalms chapter 1, and now let's read verse 2 here again. And when we look at this verse, it says, They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What we are doing as Christians is that something supernatural is happening. We are actually giving ourselves fully to God. We just surrender. We don't even, we've never even read the word. Okay, this is the beginning. We just say, God, I don't even know you, but I want to know you. I've heard some things about you. The preacher did a good job preaching to you, or this person on the street is telling me about you. And Lord, okay, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sins. I want to live with you forever and ever in eternity and come into my life. And we have this this, uh, inception of salvation, right? The beginning here, the spark that begins. And then as Christians, what we do is, and it's so incredibly important, is we begin to get into God's word. We begin to read about who this God is that we just said that we want to believe in, right? So we chose that I want to believe, but it doesn't mean that we do believe yet, you know, because you don't know fully what you believe, but you are willing to believe, and now the and your faith will increase and increase and increase, and it does, right? Mature believers out there, you could say amen. And so now you've spent your time in the Word, you're getting in the Word, and you're starting to break it down, and you're understanding it, and saying, wow, I didn't know this about God. I had heard this, but it was skewed, and and I learned this out there in the world, but it's not really who God is. And then we get around other believers, and they start sharpening you. They start telling you things that they've read in the Word, and all of a sudden, the perspective that you had about this particular verse, you realize your perspective was wrong because you're you're a baby, you're innocent, you just didn't understand. And now, and so this maturity begins to happen, and you start to grow. And what we must do is we must continue to stay there, like it says in Philippians. We just focus on the Word of life, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus in the flesh is the word of God in a book, all right? God is not a book. God is not laws. God is not rules and regulations. But this book, the Bible, that has been, thank you, Lord, that he He put these all these pieces together, all these writers throughout time are writing down these stories and they're writing down these prophecies and they're writing down uh, in which are sometimes instructions, okay? It's not a rule that you are bound to in a sense that You know, you're trapped, but they're writing down regulations to protect you and to keep you safe. And so we've bound this together in this big book called the Bible, the Word of God. And in there is life. It says that there is life in that Word. And that Word really is Jesus. Jesus is that Word. They are one. I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to go into that today. Um, but that I just want you to know that if you don't fully understand that, that the Word of God, that's the Bible that you're reading, and Jesus Christ who walked on the earth in the flesh are one. It's hard for our minds to get, but they are one. They are in, they're uni- in, not just in unity, but they are the same, one and the same. Jesus was the Word walking, and the Word today that we read is Jesus alive. It It brings Jesus to life inside of us and something supernaturally happens. But this is what we must do. We must meditate on it day and night. This is where I want to get to. 
I want you just to ask some questions. Who are you listening to? Who are your allies in this life? We must be very careful what and who is influencing us. Where are we generating our opinions from? Ouch, I just, I hit a nerve out there. Where do we get our opinions from? See, Jesus said to be in the world, as I've already said, so, uh, you know, you're going to be around people, and we must be around them, Um, but we cannot let them influence us. The world's opinions cannot get inside of us, and really, they're rebellion. It's It's a rebellion in this world. The spirit in this world is rebellion, and it can creep in so fast and so subtly into a Christian if we're not careful, if we uh, mix too many of the ideologies of this world or of this time, even good ideas, even good ideologies that we are too focused on instead of being focused on God's word can actually bring inside of us a spirit of rebellion. And we must be so careful that our Influence is the word of God, that we are aware of the world, we're aware of its issues, we are aware of its needs, we're aware of the people around us, and we are aware that they need Jesus Christ. Our time is spent not um, accusing them and pointing the finger at them or um, sitting and agreeing with them, but it is spent looking into God's word, praying for them with grace and mercy, but Uh, formulating our ideas, formulating our thoughts, not in what we think or what they think, but by God's word. And specifically, come on, we're New Testament Christians. We don't just read down a list. But when I say by the word, letting the Holy Spirit truly do what Philippians 2 says, which is to change inside of you. So when we read the word, sometimes we don't, we're not reading it looking of where to change and how to change. We're reading the word. We're doing something uh, that would look like to the world is just, um, uh, just, uh, what's the, what's the thought, the idea or uh, methodic. Um, it's just, uh, you know, just like them studying a book, you know, how to become a doctor, you know, they're going to go through these books and these books and these books and all this teaching. And then suddenly, you know, after years and years and years and years with enough study, they're, they're a doctor. But for us, uh, it's not so methodic. It's more of a, well, not just more, it is a spirit thing that's happening. But in the surface, it could look like we're just studying like they are in their craft, in their uh, field which is, you know, we're, we're believers, we're followers of Christ. And one day you start looking more and more like Christ. And it's not just because you studied about Christ that now you look like him, but something supernatural changed inside you because you fully gave yourself to him. But on the surface, it is reading his word, just like I would read a manual. 
I'm going to read a manual to know how to do something. I'm going to read his word to know what God wants me to do. But the Holy Spirit is actually doing something supernaturally that's so much deeper. I can't read about how to love someone. I can read the words that say to love my enemy, to pray for them. But really, I have to live it. Really, as circumstances and things happen around my life and things uh, change and this person does this and that person does that, and suddenly the Holy Spirit brings those verses to the surface in me and I say to the Lord, you know, Lord, help me to deal with this particular issue. And then the verse is there in my heart. It's just sitting there. And I know that I need to love them and give them grace and mercy anyway, even though I don't want to do that inside me. So it's something so much greater. But that only comes, Christians, I believe, when we have See, when I say we give ourselves to him, I don't just mean like you just keep saying, Lord, I surrender. Yes, that's the key. I say it all the time. Lord, I surrender. I surrender. But it comes when my thought process, my mind is filled with the Lord all the time. I'm literally thinking about God all day, every day, so that when what comes out of my mouth uh, is filled with God, even if it's just what could seem like uh, worldly things, things that just have to do with our everyday in this life, they are influenced by God. I'm going to talk about uh, what I'm going to do in the day, uh, which could just be, you know, A, B, and C uh, to, you know, the people around me and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But inside my spirit is this, um, this influence from the Lord that is making me think about, you know, what the values, what things matter. And uh, as, a, as I go to work, it's not just go to work to, to do a job, but I'm thinking this is a means, you know, that I must do uh, to take care of this family. But Lord, while I'm at work, I'm going to be meditating on you and thinking about you. And is there anybody there that I need to pray for? Is there anybody there that I need to love? And so it's more than just um, methodically going through um, the day and going through the motions, but it's this constant um, give and take with the Lord where I'm giving him my heart and then I'm taking uh, from his heart some uh, a, a truth and life and peace and hope and I'm grabbing a hold of his heart for the world around me. And it's something supernaturally that that is happening but only, I believe, happens when we are in a place of meditation. Now, meditation is not you sitting down and, and holding your fingers together and sitting in a perfect posture and doing some sort of new age move. But meditating on the Lord, which is given to us by the word, is so powerful, is throughout the day, I'm not thinking about the arguments, right? This is what our minds do. The arguments that we had or the, or the arguments that we think we're, <laughs> we're having or we're going to have with people. And we're not just focusing on how am I going to make this money? And we're not just focusing on, you know, when am I going to do this? And when are my dreams going to get filled? But our heart is, Lord, God, change me from the inside out. Lord, I pray for this person. Lord, I'm praying for that person. Lord, I'm praying for this to change. 
Lord, I see this person in need. Uh, show me what to do. Show me how to help them. And this meditating, this constant meditating in our lives uh, throughout the day, it will suddenly, even though, as I mentioned at the beginning, that there's darkness around us and that there are plans of darkness around us, that's not going to change. The devil was right there in the garden. It was just that Adam and Eve focused on the wrong thing. They looked at the fruit and they looked at uh, Satan's words instead of focusing on God's words. If we just focus on what God said and God's word and just keep our minds there, then the influence that he was giving, even though it sounded logical and it sounded right, uh, though that influence would have lost its power very quickly if they had just turned and just said, no, this is what God has instructed us to do, and this is what God wants for us, and this is God's plan, and get their minds off of the world, get their minds off of off of their, uh, really just close your eyes to what the world says is right. And I don't want to keep going down that road because I want to go somewhere else here. And so what happens is, is, uh, is that we have to ask this, is that um, verse three, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. The question that I want to ask is, really, where are we planted? Where are our roots? What are we connected to? Where are we tied down to? What is, you know, what is our source? If your source of life, if your source, this is interesting because it says that if we will delight in the Lord, if we will meditate on him, we are like a tree that is planted along a riverbank. And there's just so many amazing uh, analogies in this little chunk of scripture here. You can just picture that beautiful tree along the riverbank. It has endless sustenance from that water flowing down that stream or that river. And, and it's bearing fruit in, in its season. Uh, its leaves are never withering and they're prospering. It's always prospering. It always has life because of where it's planted. The word of God tells us that based on what you uh, meditate on. If you meditate on the Lord and you meditate on his word, if you make the choice to meditate on him and to look to him and to trust in him, the Bible tells us here in Psalms 1 versus listening to the advice, joining in with the mockers. You know, the world is such it has such a mocking spirit. They mock everything and it's not just the world. Christians mock Christians, and Christians mock the world, and the world mocks the Christians, and the mockers mock the mockers. But we don't get into that. That is not where we're supposed to be as Christians. We don't get into the mocking. We're not standing around with the sinners. We're not listening to their advice. Their advice might even seem good, and their mocking even might have truth in it. But we don't get into that. We meditate on the Lord. And it says that if you will do that, you will be like a tree that is planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. So my question is, where are we connected? Where are we plugged in? Where are our roots? Are our roots kind of, you know, into this and into that? Are we tied into things of this world and tied into the Lord? Are we, are we listening to God's word, but also listening 
to what the media says is right right now? Are we mixing together those things and creating our our own root system? Because out of those roots, you can't choose to just make fruit. You are who you are. And just as I plant a tree, that tree that I plant will produce what its DNA within it will produce. And so you being a tree planted along a river that the Lord has placed there, the Lord has placed you uh, there. And if you will put those roots down, I mean, you don't have to. God has come and he found you, right? Remember, God came and found you first. He presented the gospel to you. He presented the word to you. And then you chose to believe. And so by doing that, then you're planted there. But Based on where your roots go and how you dig down, are you going to dig down into the Lord? Are we going to dig into the Word? Are we going to dig into Him? Or are we going to put our roots into other things? Are we going to draw our advice? Are we going to draw our source? Are we going to draw our hope? Are we going to draw our life from things that are not God? And they don't have to be evil things to be evil. I know that's hard for our minds to get. But it can seem innocent on the surface that we draw advice from our friends. If your friend is not giving you advice based upon their face before the Lord, I'm talking face down on the ground, prostrate before God, seeking God's face and asking the Lord's will from his word. If their advice is not coming from that place, then you don't need it. It might be good, but it's not God. You just need God's advice right now. Even in this time that we're in right this minute, we need to know exactly what the Lord is saying. And people are saying all kinds of things that's going in every single direction. And we must get to the place where we just have to have to right now just dig down deep into the Lord and into his word. And it's going to be supernatural. You're not going to just open the Bible and it's going to give you a verse with a date in the day that everything's going to be okay. But you're going to get into his word and suddenly within your spirit, a peace will grow, a hope will grow, and he'll begin to navigate you just like this verse says that and the, a fruit, uh, a fruit is basically is the result. A fruit is the result of good soil, good water, you know, that it, the thing stayed planted and uh, the fruit is only the final result. That's just the, the, the surface. Everything that went on before that is really what brought that. So suddenly answers will begin to come. Suddenly you'll know certain things and you'll begin to um, have an understanding of when and how and where, etc. in your life. At many times in your life, where you don't know what to do or who to trust or what's right and what's wrong. It's the time to dig down deep into his word. Just get into him and he will actually supernaturally give you not uh, a will and not their will and not my will and not uh, this will and that will, but he will supernaturally give you his supernatural will. It will be infused within you. It'll come. You just stay plugged in. You just put those roots down deep into him. You dig. Come on. Think of the analogy here. You dig down into his word and get into him. 
and you just plug in, and, and that river there is the Spirit of the Lord. That's the when we look at the Word of God, the water is symbolizes the Holy Spirit, and you can see the analogies all through the Word. You get down into that ground of the Word of God, that good ground. That's what the Bible says that the Word is planted in good ground; it grows, right? So we're going to plant our our roots. The seeds already been planted. We're going to put our roots down deep into that good ground and we're going to tap in to the water that it's even flows even deeper than the riverbed it goes underneath even when you don't see water on the riverbed there's water down underneath of it we're going to get down there where it's deep in God and in that place uh, there is a sustenance there is a life that we will stay connected to him and we don't look at what's going on around us Around you could be drought. Around you can be confusion. Around you can be all the elements and the wind and all these things that try to take a a tree that's growing there along that stream or along that river down. But you stay connected. That's it. You only have to focus on one thing. You don't focus on producing fruit. You don't focus on being a tree. You don't focus on being a Christian. Focus on being right all the time. You just focus on the Lord. You focus on his word. And his word will make you. It will produce a fruit out of you on its own. You don't have to try to be good. You don't have to try to be right. If you will focus on the Lord, if you will dig down deep into him and you will pull your roots. This is what I'm encouraging you to do right now. Pull your roots back from all the other influences, all the other voices, the mockers. Just pull your roots back from those things and dig down into him. The Bible says that you will survive. You will not only survive, but you will bear fruit. Your leaves will not wither and you will prosper in all you do. There's another chunk of scripture that's very similar, and it's in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, and it says, this is what the Lord says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So there is the human point of view and there is the Lord's point of view. And we must not have a mixture. I don't want to get any deeper into that. I just want to leave that statement there and let the Holy Spirit uh, do the work from that statement in your heart. But we must not mix with this world. We are in it, but we cannot be of it. We cannot be of its rebellion. We cannot be of uh, its free thinking. Free thinking is not of God. Free thinking is of the devil. God has given us a designated thinking, which there is freedom in. How ironic that I have so much freedom in God's thinking. But free thinking is what the Greeks were doing and what all the surrounding nations were doing. In fact, the book of Romans says that 
God eventually just lets them free think their way into all kinds of weirdness and craziness. Thank God that we have incredible freedoms in this nation, in the natural. But really, ultimately, we are not free. We are slaves of Christ. The Bible, really, if you look at the picture of what happened supernaturally, you are a slave of sin and a slave to this world. But when God rescued you, he calls you friend, and and that's amazing. He doesn't have to call you friend, and he doesn't have to share anything with you, but he does. He shares so much with us. He didn't even withhold his own son, Jesus Christ, from us. And yet, really, though, who we are, even though he calls us friends and we have that friendship, who we are is a slave of Christ. Now, I'm only using that term, and the Bible says it only uses that term because our minds really can't understand. So it's a term just to give us a picture, even though we're not a slave in the, in the worldly human sense, but in, in just try to to get this, and that's what the word even says. It says you're not going to understand this, so I'm using a human term to describe something spiritual. But we've become a slave of Christ, and basically what that means is you are not free to think on your own. You're not free to just come up with your own ideas and your own plans and your dreams, and everybody says, what's your dream? And, And everybody says, what do you think? And everybody says, what's your opinion? And that's what the world is saying, and that's what the church is saying. And it's we need to say, you know what? I don't have an opinion. I don't have a plan. I don't have a dream. I have the Lord, and the Lord directs my steps. He leads me day by day. He leads me step by step. And to be honest, I don't know where I'm going. And to be honest, no, I don't have a vision. Stop asking me what my vision is. I don't have a vision. My vision is Jesus Christ. My vision is that I set my eyes on Him. I set my eyes on the finish line. I set my eyes on the course ahead. I'm looking ahead at the race that's before me. I set my eyes on Jesus Christ. My eyes are fixed on his eyes and I'm focusing on him and I'm not looking around me and I'm not planning out plans and dreams and and desires and all those things. I'm just looking at him and he's taking me step by step, day by day. He's taking the sin out of my life. He's taking the stuff and the junk out of my life and the opinions, in fact, out of my life. And he's giving me a new mind a new understanding, a new will, a new heart. He's supernaturally putting compassion in me that I didn't have. He's supernaturally putting in love inside of me that I couldn't read about or get from a book. He's doing it supernaturally, and he's changing the way I think. He's changing the way I view the world. And ultimately, I'm heading to eternity to be with him forever and ever. But in the meantime, I'm wanna, I want to please him. And I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant of the Lord. And I want to do well with the talents I've been given and keep focused on the task at hand. And I don't have time to focus on this world. And I don't have time to focus on all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. And I certainly don't have time to focus on the devil's plans and on his purposes and on what darkness is doing because I'm light and I'm salt and I have a greater power than that the, than he that is in this world and I'm going to focus on Jesus Christ who's going to not just not just yoked with me and said okay I'll see you in eternity but is walking with me step by step every day every moment has never left me has never forsaken me and never will and so my heart and my focus is on him 
My dream is to please Jesus. My vision is that, Jesus, what do you have for me in this moment? I don't even know what this day is going to end like. I'm trusting in you that you're be- uh, bigger than me, that your vision is better than mine, and you're going to take me to where I need to be day by day. Thank you, Lord. And that's the place that we must be. And it says the human point of view versus the Lord's point of view, those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. So we must be roots. We must have roots. We must put our roots down deep. I think so many Christians have surface roots, and I'm not judging you, and I'm not accusing you. I'm talking to you from the love of Jesus Christ, from the love of the heart of God right now, because He loves you so much, and He cares for you, because you you think you've seen a drought. You think you've been stuck right now. You haven't seen anything yet. Revelation says we're going to see things so deep and Matthew 24 and 25 alludes to things that are going to change our minds forever. Things that says men's heart failed them for fear in that day. Come on church out there listening in that day when your heart is failed for fear, uh, when the world's hearts are failing for fear, your heart is not because you've got a root system that is connected to a God who is outside of this world. And right now we must put those roots down deep. We must not even focus on what fruit is in our life. We must not even focus on what we look like or where we think we're planted. We must just put down deep. We got to get those roots down deep into Christ right now. Put them, just keep digging deeper into him and find that soil of life. Find the water that's deeper than on the surface because the surface dries up. But put those roots down deep and it says in Jeremiah chapter 17 that as those roots reach deep into the water, those trees are not bothered by the heat and they're not worried by long months of drought. Those that have their roots down deep are not bothered by long months of the unknown. They're not bothered by long months. Well, the world is looking, counting down the days and the months of their drought. You are not bothered by long months of drought because their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Their human heart, it says, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, right? Only the Lord, it says. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and I examine secret motives and I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. It says that as we dig down deep, what it's saying there, just quickly, that's another sermon. I don't want to get into that, but I wanted to read that. As we do that, the Lord begins to look at your heart and search your heart. And in fact, as we've looked at already so far, the Lord changes your heart. I could say so many things today, but I guess it's for another day. I just want to say this last thing, that the Bible talks about this river. It talks about a river. In fact, we can go back to Eden and we have the tree of life. And the Bible says in Revelation that that river will be again. And that there will be a tree of life on each side. It says in Revelations chapter 22, verse 1, The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, 
flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It says it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. The Bible says that there is going to be a river that flows from the throne of God and it will uh, it will bring life. See, God is, there is a river that God has flowing. It's flowing all the time. Come on, this is not weird, guys. Don't, don't shut down. Don't cut me off. This is not weird, but there is a river of life that is flowing out from God's throne. This is revelation. This is, th- this is the Bible. In fact, it's also in Ezekiel chapter 47. He gets a vision of this. And in his vision, he says that in Ezekiel 47, 1, he saw the stream flowing from beneath the door of the temple. And in verse 8 of Ezekiel 47, this river is so powerful, the river of this river of life, the water of life. It's the water. Come on, it's the Holy Spirit is moving and he's constantly moving. That's what wooed you into him the first time. You didn't just find Christ, but the Holy Spirit spoke your language. He got a hold of you. Something tugged on your heart and tugged on your ear and Jesus became uh, alive, something began to happen, and that and that was that river. And we must stay. We must not tap into it, taste a little bit of it, and get life. And that's that spark of salvation. And then begin to put our roots into all kinds of other things, because it says that in Ezekiel forty-seven, this water is so powerful. The waters of the stream, verse eight, will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. It has the power to purify to take the death, the dead sea, the death, it will, it, it cleanses, it brings what was dead to life. And it says in verse 12, the same thing I'm seeing here in Jeremiah 17 and Psalm 1 and Revelation 22. Again, we see that it says fruit trees. And remember, we're a fruit tree. Remember, we're supposed to bring fruit forth, but you can't produce fruit. You just have to be a tree. And just being a tree is putting those roots down deep. That's it. That's your job. The fruit will come on its own. The fruit of the Spirit will come from us being with Christ, right? You can tell when someone's been with the Lord. When someone's spending time with the Lord, it just comes flowing out of them. They don't have to try. And you can also tell when someone's trying to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits, They really don't want to do the fruit. And sometimes we have to go through those motions. I don't want to get into that. But sometimes you do have to love even though you don't want to love. And that's that's a whole other thing. And that's just the Lord teaching us and growing us. But ultimately, when love really comes out of us, it's not you. It's not even you trying. It's something supernatural because you have spent time with the Lord, because you have dug down deep into Him and you tapped in to the river that flows below the surface It says that in verse 12, the leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. There will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. So we see this particular prophecy, this particular picture all throughout here through the Bible. 
And it's this picture of us as Christians that connect to God and we put our roots down below the surface. We dig down deep in the Lord. We dig down into him and dig into his word and we believe his word. And by and there's so many more things we could get into, but just, just for today to take that home, that as we dig into his word and really, really, really trust him, I'm talking really trust him out there, believers, really trust him. And even if you think you've trusted him, trust him more and something supernatural begins to happen. Life begins to flow through you. It begins to grow you and it will sustain you. It is the only thing that's going to sustain you from the drought. Come on, church. There is droughts coming in many ways. There is droughts in in so many different ways coming and we're experiencing them in some ways right now. But there are droughts, and but you are not going to be affected because you are connected to the Lord. So I just bless you. I uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word today. And just grow it in us. Shape it in our hearts, Lord, today. Do something supernatural, Lord, in us today.